Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast, and we are all the way to number 40. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Trauma, and somewhere out there is my pal Neil in beautiful Illinois. How are you doing, Neil? I'm doing fine today. What's it like for you today? Is it nice and nice and bright? It is beautiful. I mean, I mean, let's face it, West Michigan is hardly Southern California, but it, I mean, so it's like 60, but the it, the sun is shining. It's 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 really nice. How about 60? how about you? It's like it was like 32 degrees when I woke up this morning. Yeah, it's great. supposed to rain for the next couple of days. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, it's it's good, man. I mean, it's people are out walking around outside their houses, and it's sort of like uh, yeah, got people doing got people doing drug deals outside mine. It's yes. great. It's awesome. So, so listen, so we're gonna continue our cavalcade of guests. That we've been having, and we're we're actually pretty excited about this one. I think this is is this is this like what do they call this, Neil? Is this synchronicity or like serendipity or something? Serendipity, why not? That's a good word. Serendipity, because earlier in the year, Neil and I were both raving about a certain record, and we kind of agreed that it was the kind of our first album of the year that we both agreed on. Yep. You know, we both have albums we like, but when we both like one, then it's unusual. You know, it's, it's really something special. Yes. Yes. And and one of our early listeners was. Andy from the Drowns, and he actually even wrote us like a, a message of encouragement. He's been a he's been really cool listener, and we don't have him. We have the <laughs> other guy. <laughs> the other guy. We have the other guy. For, I was gonna harass Andy to come on, but but since we got the other guy, maybe I'll save harassing Andy to come on till later. But we have Rev from the Drowns on today. From are you are you in Seattle right now, Rev? Yeah, yeah, I'm in South Seattle. There's a there's traffic going by right now. How's and you said it's nice there too, right? Uh, yeah, actually, it, it's got some overcast right now, but the last couple of days were like 80 degrees, which is really weird for us. Wow, is that it, is nice. Seattle like constantly overcast? Isn't it like where Neil went to college in like Manchester, England, where it's like <laughs> sometimes like four days it's, a year or something? It's exactly like that. When we uh, flew to Manchester for Rebellion last year, that's the first thing we said when we got out of the airport, was we were like, wow, it's just like home. This is nice. <laughs> Yeah, I tell Dude, you what. I can't believe I can't believe you ma- you mentioned Rebellion because they just so they just canceled it a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah, we were on for that this year too. Oh, you were? Oh, that sucks. Yeah, okay. yeah, because Neil was actually going to go. I was going to go this year. Yeah. Rebellion. Um, it well, you know, let's face it. The average crowd over there is what you call super vulnerable, right? No, shut up. <laughs> like they empty out the nursing homes to go to that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually always pleasantly surprised when they have some young. So, so how did it go, um, playing for that crowd? I mean, were they were they into it? You know, you know, it's weird, man. Um, to be completely vulnerable and naked, we're not the toughest band ever. We're not the toughest looking or sounding. We talk about people we love in our songs. We talk sure. about a positive way to get through stuff, and we do that completely unapologetically. And mm-hmm. I'll fully admit that it makes me a little scared at times to go play for crowds. Like, let's say we're opening for a hardcore band or, like, yeah. we're opening for a, a highly respectable, like, oi band or something. Um, I'm always a little intimidated, and then I'm always outdone with how much of the opposite actually happens. Hmm. Um, and over at Rebellion, there were so many people. Like, it was weird. Like, we've only been a band for two years. And granted, we've all played in other bands over the years, but... Yeah. Uh, before the festival started, we got there a day early and we were getting stopped in the streets to take photos with people. And like, you'd have these burly ass skinheads that like, if they were walking around in Seattle, I'd be like, if I don't know them, I'd be like, I'm not going to talk to that guy right now. <laughs> um, but there, they were like, holy shit, you're the guy from the drowns. Come here, give me, can we take a photo? Could I take a selfie and send it to my wife? And I was like, yeah, sure. Are, are, they, awesome, are, they, hug- are they huggers? Are uh, they huggers? No, they're not fucking huggers. What are you talking? It's not, it's not fest yeah. we're talking about. 
<laughs> Neil was talking about how growing up in how growing up in England, punks didn't hug. I mean, if you tried to hug somebody, you get punched right in the gut. Damn straight. <laughs> and uh, he was talking about how sensitive. Not like you get out a fest in Florida and everybody's hugging all the time. And it, it's and, and, and I must admit, for people of our age, it's a difficult transition. Well, I, I don't want to sound. I don't want to make us sound like like too big of wusses by any means. But uh, we. Well, we you have a voice. You have a voice. If it makes you feel any better, you have like a super tough sounding voice. Yeah, you do. Like, oh, like you, you gargle razor blades or something. <laughs> I appreciate that. I've actually never smoked a cigarette in my life either. Haven't um, you really? Oh wow! Yeah, never. <laughs> not, you're not tough, and you've never smoked, so you're not cool either. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, so, should we just end this interview here? Sorry, guys. Sorry to waste your time. Oh, <laughs> no, you know, but we uh, over no, there we get we get a little bit of that from the the older guys, especially. Like we get a little bit of that. Uh, it's almost like a little brother kind of camaraderie. Like hmm. a lot of those guys are like, "Hey, we're glad you're kind of carrying the torch and you're pushing forward and starting something new," and uh, we kind of get that almost ominously amongst that whole crowd at rebellion and um the guys in cops bar have been really great about supporting us and kind of um giving some legitimacy to what we do as far as like when they talk to other people about us or book us on rebellion and things like that so we've been very fortunate hey if you're good if you're good if you're good you're good i mean you know and you and you guys are a damn good band so there's no reason why why that we we joked with skipper that we're just every interview we do that has anything to do with pirates press it's just trying to work our way up to getting colin mcfall on That's like our ultimate prize. And he I mean, basically, be, he basically said something like, he basically said something like, yeah, you'd have to ship him a cell phone or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's he's, such a, super, he's, he's a good guy, though, man. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he would be totally down, as long as you could make it uh, easy for him, like Skip said. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We can call a landline, so, I think. Yeah. So the funny thing is, we really, I'd say we really don't know much about the Drowns, even though we're both, we both become big fans of the band, but... What uh, so tell us where you guys came from? What bands did you guys actually come from? Because I I because I, I don't think I really listened to the bands you came from, but I'm not positive, so maybe I'm okay, wrong. Okay, so uh, so Andy and I were in a band called Success that was like a uh, kind of a like a rock and roll pop punk band. Okay. Uh, we played in that band. I was in that band for 15 years. Andy was in that band for like the last three or four. Okay. Um, and that band started to do what older bands do. And, like, you know, guys in the band started to have kids and they, like, got real jobs and stuff. And uh, so me and Andy were like, well, we're going to keep going. We worked on some material together and uh, it just fell in place that our, but like, my good friend Jake Margolis from Los Angeles, um, the band he was playing with kind of did the same thing. So we hit up Jake and we started working on material together. Um, and it, it, it got going. Uh, but Jake was in, uh, Jake's like, a, in my book, he's like a legend. He was in uh, uh, Time Again, Madcap. Uh, he was in, oh man, what is the name of that other So band? he's the other he's the other guitar player or he's the drummer? No, no, Jake's the drummer. Uh, so okay. Johnny's the guitar player and he came later, actually. That's okay. a funny story too. But uh, but yeah, so Jake played in like a bunch of old like street punk bands. And okay. uh, he's also been a fill-in for everybody over the years. My old band, Success with Andy toured with Millen Colin and seven seconds on these different tours. And mm. Jake filled in for us on those tours. And me and Jake got to be really good friends by him just being kind of a hired gun. Mm. Um, but later we wanted another guitar player. Uh, and later I didn't know this dude at all. I actually, uh, I got a friend who, an old friend who owns a guitar shop in Seattle and I asked him to play. His name is Frank. He owns a Thunder road guitars in Seattle. And I was like, hey, man, do you want to play in this band? It's it's doing really well, and I, I'm really proud of the material. And he was like, I can't because of the shop, but I have the perfect guy. And so I met this dude on a bar 
And within like 35 minutes of talking to Johnny, I was like, you got the job. I really hope you can fucking play guitar. Never heard of no. I figured I could probably show him what I needed to, but it turned out he was actually really, really talented. But, Mm. you know, sometimes you just know. Like, you're like, okay, I can be stuck in a band with this guy for, you know, six months and I won't want to kill him. So this works out. Uh. So, so you are you still? I mean, you still got one guy in L.A. or did he move up? Or are you you guys geographically challenged, as we say? So the three of us are in the Northwest. I live in South Seattle. Andy lives in North Seattle. Johnny lives in Chehalis, which is like uh, two hours south. And oh. then Jake flies up for everything from Los Angeles. Wow. You know, so you got- a lot of bands, a lot of bands out there may may tout the words "working class," but we really have to struggle to make this work. Like, with the amount of shit that we do, and we never say no to work, and we have these, like like I said, like these geographic problems, like you were pointing out, you know? But we still make it work, so sure. I'm pretty, pretty fucking proud of that. You, no, and you guys were supposed to be on tour with Boors and Glory. Is that, like, right now, or is that, when, when were you going to, I mean, yeah, that was going to be a would, pretty awesome tour, actually. I think I would be in the Bay Area right now, if that was okay. still going on. Unfortunately, yeah. it, was all, it was all West Coast, so we weren't going to see you anyway, but... Uh... But yeah, that was that's a real cool tour. I love I, I like the Pirates press bands packaged together because I like almost all of them. You know, it's to tie our two conversations together. It's because of Rebellion last year. Uh, we were introduced at Rebellion to the Booze and Glory guys, and we immediately hit it off. Uh, they're the sweetest dudes and mm. just an incredible band and really really great guys. And uh, at uh, I'm not sure if it was Mark or Frank, but at uh, at Rebellion. We were like, we should do something together. And within a few months, we had a tour lined up for this year. So it was like, we were looking forward to it too, which is a huge fucking bummer. But, I mean, it's good. I'm glad we're all safe. Well, so were they supposed to tour the entire U.S.? Or was it just going to be West Coast? Oh, no. The whole thing was lined up for us to go to the East Coast too. Oh, it was. It was going to be Okay. Yeah, it was supposed to be West Coast, then across the South. uh, And then West Coast Punk Rock Bowling, and then across the South. Uh, and then up up to the east, and then into Canada. Uh, but yeah, it didn't didn't really work out. Obviously, that sucks. Yeah, it's too well, bad. Yeah, it and it, it's it's it, the the timing is obviously bad for you guys more so than some other bands, just because I feel like you guys are are really surging. You know, it's it's you know you got a band like the Dropkick Murphys and Rancid, right? They had to cancel their tour. They're going to be fine. They can yeah. sit out a year. It's not a big deal. And the fact of the matter is you guys all work. It's not like you're probably going to go broke because you can't tour, but you guys are really, you know, this was the year to really probably push the band to the next level. I I, I, I feel bad for bands who are at the level you guys are at right well, now. And, this, and especially, especially they just released that great album. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. you, wanted to, you wanted to tour the album. And the fact of the matter is, they're now they're home writing music, and they're gonna want to they're gonna want to write a new album yeah. before they might be able to get on the road. Is that what you're doing with your free time? Are you just watching Netflix or what? What have you been doing? Yeah, we're we're working. I mean, a little bit of both, but we're working on material right now. Actually, before you guys called, I was watching a documentary on Stiff, uh, uh, Stiff Baders. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. I've seen that. That one's on Amazon, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. What's, it, what's that called? I haven't seen that. I think it's uh, just called, called Stiff. Uh, no comp. Yeah, Stiff. No compromise. No regrets. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're working on new material right now. But that's honestly, that's just a tribute to how we work. Like, we're constant. Me and Andy are constantly writing music. Like, it's a it's a muscle that you have to keep working out. You know, or you sure. start to lose it a little bit. So sure. we're constantly writing. Hey, we should actually we should actually play a song. Yeah, let's play a song. Yeah, what do you want to play?
Which one do we have first on the list, Neil? Which uh, one we have we have Black Lung. If you want to play that one first, yeah, that that's seems a, like a good that's one. That's a great one. Okay, so uh, here first, we go. first track of the new album. Yeah, so we got the Drowns with uh, Black Lung. There you go. The Drowns, Black Lung. It's a great start to the album. A great album. Yeah, thanks, sir. So, um, are any? So you guys, you guys are doing doing the Drowns thing. Are any of the other bands still active? Are you playing? Are you guys playing in multiple bands? Or are you pretty much just just devoted to Drowns at this point? You know, we're like we're lucky enough that we're all. Uh, I, I don't mean to to sound egotistical, but we're all really good guys, you know. And so, we we with all those bands, we're still connected to those people. And it's important to us to keep those relationships going. So, 
none of those bands necessarily really fizzled out. It's like they're still there. Like me and Andy will probably play with the success guys whenever we get some time. And Jake has a band called Shell Corporation that plays every now and then. See, no, uh, I've heard I've heard of them, but I don't think I've heard them. They're good. They're like a super hyper political mm. skate punky at times. They have an album called Mandrake that you should check out. That is beautiful. Hmm. Success. Neil's Neil's discog. I am. I'm right trying now. to figure that's, this out, but, <laughs> but but unfortunately, there's like this looks like there's about 15 bands called Success. So I got to try and figure yeah, out which you, one. You it know, is. we used to that band used to be called Rough Chucker. Chucker like the bird, C-H-U-K-A-R. Okay. And then nobody could Google it, so we named the band Success, which no one could fucking Google. I hold on. Is this all you, is is this you guys all with beards? Is that it? Uh yeah. yeah in in front of an American flag? There we go. Uh, yeah, that's us. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's you guys. All right. Yeah. I figured did it you, was. Were, by you the the, were you the singer were you the singer in that band too, or did you play guitar? Uh, yeah. With... yeah, I played guitar and sang in that band. Okay. So you've been okay, so you guys have only been around for two years, which is I mean, let's face it. You were just talking about you guys, the, the writing ethic, because you know most bands, like I said, next hour or you know a couple hours, we're going to talk to a guy who it's been ten years since they put out an album of original material. Was it Mike? Is it Mike Ness? <laughs> oh, please, I'll believe that we're going to get a new Social D album when I hear it, Neil. I'm not going to believe that it's actually going to be ten years until the yeah, album drops. That's true, man. That's true. But uh, so, so who who put out your first album? Uh, it was uh, kind of a, a group thing between. Uh, we so when when our other bands kind of were starting to slow down, we like I said before we, we we jumped in and we started like just working on material as soon as we could and we tried to rush it out. But we actually went on a tour with no material out there at all. We just booked a tour on our reputations alone, like like headlining. Uh yeah, just like our own. We said fuck it and we went, and uh it did super well, like really so people really turned, well. People turned up. Just on our reputations alone, yeah, people came out and they loved it. There's a video from that tour. We, we were still a three-piece at that time, but there's a, a video from that tour when we were playing San Diego. And it's like people were packed in the club going crazy and it was awesome. And uh, So we did this tour and it gave us a lot of confidence. But we really did that tour just to record with a friend of ours in, um, in Sacramento. And so we, we record there. We're like, well, what the fuck are we going to do with this? And we're like, well... We booked a tour with friends. We recorded with a friend. We may as well put this out with friends. So we split it between uh, three different buddies, like two buddies who had a label. Each had a label, and then me and Jake uh, started a label called 1984 just to put out our own material. Hmm. Then how'd you how'd you end up hooking up with those those cats at uh, Pirates Press? Were one of the other were one of your bands previously associated with them or? So on that, that's, tour, that they're such a Bay Area. I mean, they're such a Bay Area institution. You know, it's like. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's how it happened, too. It's like, we were on that tour, and uh, there's a guy who works over there named Gowdy, um, and he came out to this show we had in Oakland. We had this really shitty show in Oakland. It was with some buddies. It was with some buddies. Like, the whole tour was great, except for Oakland, huh? (laughs) Yeah, well, Oakland, it was, so, it was weird, because it was with friends of ours, and the lineup was really good, but we show up, and the venue didn't even know the show was going on. (laughs) And it's not even a venue. It's like a brewery slash art space. Uh, so we, we show up and they're like, oh, there's a show? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so we start, we play and not that many people showed up because obviously no, the venue didn't promote at all. Um, and so there's like 15, maybe 20 people at this show. And one of them happens to be Gowdy from Pirates Press who's handing out a bunch of uh, 
free flexies, like Pirates Press flexies oh, at yeah. the show. And he comes up to me and he's like, man, I would love for us to be able to work with you guys. Uh, I love your stuff. I'm going to try to pitch it to my boss. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I think that pitch happens and then nothing really comes of that because no one knew who the fuck we were, right? So, like, you, it was our so in the meantime, story. so is this, this is before you'd even put your own record out or anything? Yeah, we had nothing out yet. Yeah, okay. we had nothing at all out. And so uh, he he's like, hey, this, you know, I'm assuming he's like, hey, there's this band that doesn't have a record yet. And no one fucking knows. And then probably <laughs> just got like pushed under the rug a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, and so then we, we go back, we put out the first record on our own. And then we record uh, the sound, which is that seven inch we put out. We yep. record those songs with um, uh, Jesse from Noise up here in uh tacoma okay. jesse's the noise guys are good buddies of ours and so uh jesse records these two songs for us and in so the what does Je- what does jesse do in noise because i mean every matt gets all the attention what is what does jesse do in noise oh he's a guitar player guitar scrawny player. little okay. guy yeah. okay uh, we both we both love that band too by the way yep oh Should they're be. incredible yeah. yeah really good yeah uh but so we record with jesse and in the meantime between there a couple of different people besides just gowdy had talked to skip about our band and um we started to get some traction. Our two, we started to get some really good tours too, and uh, so it just put us more in his eyesight. And when he finally gave us like a really good look, he was smitten right out of the gate. So, uh, and then we we he was like, I got the sound. We got to do this together. And I was like, uh, Yeah, duh, that's exactly what I want. So let's do that. <laughs> well, that's cool. So uh, let's play. Why don't we play that? Why don't we play that? So that was the first thing you did for Pirates Press. Yeah, um, seven Let's do that. We were gonna play that song anyway. Why don't we jam that in, you know? Well, let's, I was, I was gonna, this. I was gonna suggest, okay. as we've been talking about the first album, that we play that track off the first album. Fine. Well, <laughs> that seems, well, that seems to fit, unless you want to go back to the first album later on or something. <laughs> I don't care. This is, you know, listen. Listen, we just shoot from the hip. What are we gonna do? <laughs> we do. We do yeah. shoot from the hip. So we were gonna <laughs> do, we we're gonna do, take me back, right? That's what we were gonna do. Sure. Yes. Okay. All right. So, so this, this is the is... first album that was released on several labels and self-release, sort of, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was more like a community of friends putting it out together. Yeah, because cool. if you look on Discogs, it's the main, th- the three first ones are all from the label in Germany called Gunner Records, I guess. Oh, yeah. So Gunner put out all of our Europe's, like, for that record, he put it out by himself all in Europe. And that guy's hmm. super proactive online, so that's probably why his name's on everything. Okay, hmm. yeah, because you can get it in pink and red. Uh, no, clear and red, and the pink one is hmm. on 1984. Okay. So anyway, yeah, from that album, which is called View from the Bottom, from 2018, here is The Drowns with Take Me Back.
So there you go. Take me back. Um, did you like that? I I did a pretty good job there, like a real DJ, right? Sounded pretty I guess. Good. Yeah. It's what gonna be mean? awkward what now mean, when what we go back. What do you mean? Guess. The... What does that mean? It's gonna I be mean... awkward now when we go back to the sound, dude. No, it's not because we we'll, we can end it with that. Because I don't know. Whatever you want, dude. I don't know. Neil Neil's accent is sometimes a point of conversation because he grew up in Liverpool, went to college in Manchester, but he's been living in Illinois for like 30 thirty-five years. years yep. so, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's all over the damn place. It's a weird bastardization of Middle Eastern American and then uh, Middle Eastern American, <laughs> middle, middle Midwestern American, and uh, and uh, you know English. So. Yeah, northwest of England. Yeah. Exactly. Who's your Who's your football team? Yeah. Leeds, as a matter of fact. Oh, that's nice, nice. Yeah, yeah so... we're Arsenal supporters. Okay. Yeah, yeah. our uh, our drummer is actually from his dad's from. Uh, uh, oh man, I forget the neighborhood in London, something Hill. But, oh, uh, okay. That's, yeah, so that's how we kind of got into it. Uh, oh. But yeah, Jake's family actually all lives over there. Yeah, so mm. it, that's really messed up right now because they're trying to decide how they're going to finish the season and stuff like that. So it's uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting weird. how that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, they're talking about playing like half a season of baseball with nobody in the stands or something. It's like, ugh. Yeah, I heard yeah, that. Skip, I mean, Skipper's happy about that. He doesn't care as long as he gets baseball. Yeah, so but, like, but, Skip, but, it, but Skip's a huge Red Sox fan. Well, so, oh, Red Sox So, fans. Tom, that wouldn't matter for you, would it? Because Detroit never gets anybody in the stands, do they? So no, it would be we <laughs> the same as normal. Tigers games, we always socially distance. Sometimes you get yeah. a whole section to yourself. And they're not the only uh, are, team like that. I'm a, I'm a big hockey guy. Are the Red Wings still a team? I just haven't seen them in the playoffs for a yeah, while. Yeah, boy, what happened after after 20-something years in a row? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what happens? It's it's like it's kind of not so much different than the Yankees. You know, So the Yankees had George Steinbrenner for years and years. And George Steinbrenner loved the Yankees so much that he would spend every cent he had to make the Yankees win. Well, he died. His kids have the team, and his kids want to make money. So the quality of the team has gone down quite a bit. So the guy who used to own the Tigers, his name was Mike Illich, and he (laughs) made his money from the great Little Caesars pizza. You guys got that up there by you, or is that more regional? (laughs) Yeah, we have that. You know, talking about like the five dollar. You've been on tour. Yeah. You know what a little season. Yeah, yeah ex- is. I, of course I do. Yeah, you guys are shitting yourselves in the van after yeah. eating five dollar, five dollar pizzas for Little Caesars. <laughs> but anyway, he died. He died also, and his uh, his kids have taken over, and they just don't have the the passion for it. So of course, and then we've had that with the Lions for years. They literally haven't won a championship since the fifties, and the Ford family of the Ford Motor Company refuses to sell them. And it's just, it's so yeah, it's not, it's not that good of a time to be a Michigan sports fan. Actually, it is a good time to be a Michigan sports fan because nobody can play. So <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. It's good for you. <laughs> well, you know, I, I hate to hint at something that you guys were talking about before we started recording, but that the, basically the two situations you just described, it's like exactly like the YouTube stars, like you were talking about. It's like not yeah. even like it doesn't even matter at this point. It doesn't even matter if the team wins. It's more notoriety and money yeah. that this new era is really worried about, which is a problem in like music also. You know, it's like yeah. what happened to like we don't make I mean, I, this is the majority of my living is music these days, but we don't music. make okay. that much. Yeah, yeah, but we don't make that much and we still have to have supplemental income. But sure. I don't fucking care. You know, what's important to me is putting yeah. out good records, like the records that inspired me when I was a kid. And I think a lot of that is, is lost these days. Well, I, I still think that if you do it for the right reasons, people can tell. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> whether it's whether it's because you love to play baseball or you love to write music or, you know, even I, I hate to say it, but even, you know, Neil and I have talked about this, even this, this stupid little podcast that seems to be sort of 
doing doing well and people like it, but we had no we had no ulterior motive. There was literally zero financial incentive. It was just like a, you know, it's just like something we wanted to do, something that we were passionate about. And I, I hear yeah. people say, "Well, man, I don't even care about the music you play, but I love how passionate you are about." It. Like, well, cool, you know, that's that's something, I guess. But but and I, I you know I think you could tell that in your in your in your songwriting. And neither of us are guys who really go for like what you call the touchy feely type of songwriting. But that's why I kind of think you guys remind me of a cross between like street pump punk and like hot water music, you know, like it's, it has elements of both those things. But well, actually, you so, know, you know what? We, we can touch on that a little bit because I was listening. I listened to both albums today. I mean, I've listened to them for a while. I've had them for a while. But um, the first album is certainly I mean, how would you describe the first album compared to the second? Because to me, the second sounds a lot harder. I mean, um, if you wanted to talk about hot water, hot, hot water music, that's more like the first album and. You know, street punk. Well, I don't is... think it's directly like hot water music. No, I just think I... that kind of songwriting, that sort yeah. of hard uh, on your sleeves type of songwriting. Whereas the second was... one has definitely got more of a street punk feel, I think, than the but first one. But it's got one. that style of songwriting too on it. Well, let's say what yeah, anyway, let, to say. Why don't we let him? Talk? Yeah, why don't we let him talk? <laughs> yeah, Tom. <laughs> but there definitely seems like a transition between, or maybe maybe I'll call it. Like just let him talk. <laughs> what are you well, doing, you know man? What's funny is, is we were trying to find our footing with that first record, right? <laughs> sure. Like we came out of other bands and we just started writing, and um, we knew what angle we wanted to go for, but we didn't know how to get there yet. Um, and the irony is that you're right. The songwriting itself is harder on the newest album, but all of the tones, like all the distortion on the guitars is turned way down and it's like a way yep. cleaner record. Yep. So it's almost like we found a way to, to sound tough without having to sound tough. It's like the songwriting changed. Um, but we also, on that newest album, we worked with an incredible producer who we were able to describe what we wanted to him and he helped us get that. So I think what we wanted was how under tension sounds, but what we could do at the time was how the first record sounds. So who, who produced under tension then? Uh, Ted Hutt. He's a, like a Grammy award winning producer who worked with, uh, uh, he's done with, he was one of the, he was the first guitar player in, the, in flogging Molly. Hmm. He oh, did the okay. first two flogging Molly records. He did uh, hmm. a bunch for dropkick and gaslight anthem, uh, old crow medicine show, like tons of bands. Huh. Incredible guy, incredible guy. You know, as as the oldest guys in the room a lot of times, Neil and I have a common complaint often about production nowadays, how it's too slick. Too sanitized. And I don't, I don't get that with your record. You know what I mean? It's kind of that everything sounds like it's coming from the blasting room, like it's had a certain, it's got a certain sheen on it. And I, I do hear that in the guitars. There's a certain amount of jangle in the guitars on the new record it's like one guitar is a little more overdriven, and one guitar is a little a little cleaner, so you can actually hear the individual notes. And I, I, I it definitely works for you guys. You guys, it reminds me of a, a fellow Pirates press band. The way the guitars sound, uh, Territories. I'm sure you guys know Territories. Oh yeah, those yeah those guys are buds of ours. Yeah, and I, I the songwriting even kind of reminds me of it, and I'm and, and not not too much so, but you know, but yeah. So, you know, it's funny because they always make the joke, right? People have 20 years to write their first album and then one year to write the next one. Yeah. So it's almost well, like you guys you guys were almost the opposite. Like you wrote your first one really <laughs> quick and then you maybe had time to more analyze what you wanted to do. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's just a tribute to how how good Ted Hutt is, is that we described what we wanted. And we talked. that's one of the things we talked about. Like we talked about the bands that inspired us. And there was a lot of like um, – late 70s early 80s uh like british pub rock and street punk bands okay tell, that, tell, tell us more about that who, who are some see, of the that's bands? why you can relate to it yeah Neil. who were some of the bands that inspired you really <laughs> uh, i'm a huge i'm a huge tom robinson fan oh mm. excellent nice call yeah and 
and so uh, that was a big. If you listen to the guitars in the record, mm-hmm. I just we, me and so also Ted Hutt's from England, and we sat down and we were talking about that. And I brought up Tom Robinson, and he was like, "Oh, I fucking love that band." And I was like, "Okay, well, their guitars are what I want. I want clean punch, but when the solo comes on, I want the solo to bite in front of everything else." Because the guy who he passed away, I think a few years ago, but the guy who played the played lead guitar on those records was incredible. And his tones were great, and his style was incredible. Um, so that was a big one for me. Also, I'm a huge Billy Bragg fan. So mm. Billy Bragg always kind of had his own specific, like, jangle but still bitey guitar tone. And I, I'm trying to steal as much as I can from that. Mm. I'm going to have to agree to disagree on the Billy Bragg one, but I'm loving your Tom Robinson band. Oh, not, not, not a Billy Bragg fan, really? That's surprising. Uh, no, I mean, he's guitar tone, sure, but the whole champagne socialist thing turns me off completely. Uh, but okay, we, could talk about, we could talk about that for hours. But uh, Yeah, I, I can get that. Yeah. <laughs> I, think he, I think he was a great songwriter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, I don't know about so much these days. I haven't really heard anything he's done recently, but his first couple of albums were excellent. I'll, yeah, definitely. Yeah. For sure. You know, Billy, Billy Bragg does the does the prison guitar doors thing doesn't he what doesn't he the one in, in england you know they they give guitars to like inmates yeah yeah they teach inmates how to play yeah yeah because yeah. i know like uh that's a big thing for uh wing kramer so being a michigan guy of course i love my early you know my early detroit bands and uh wayne kramer uh i know was big involved with that anyway doesn't matter so that's what i know of billy bragg i don't even know if i know his music I, I thought you were talking about the clash song jail guitar doors for it is well that jail guitar that jail guitar doors the clash song mentions wayne kramer oh it does oh interesting yeah. cool oh let me tell you about wayne and his deals of cocaine i never knew go. that excellent thank <laughs> you for holy that, cow Tom. i'm teaching a 57 year old yeah. dog a new trick well well you know it's, uh, it's funny that you talk about like mc5 because that and like the stooges that's definitely like the angle we're trying to write more this way is taking elements from that kind of dirty midwestern rock and roll mm. uh sound and push that into our new record so like me and andy have a lot of a lot of talks just like i did with ted about inspiration and what we're aiming for and there's been a lot of talks about like stooges and mc5 and a bunch of like dirty rock and roll bands hmm. are you a seattle guy your whole life uh so i was born in tacoma and then i was i was in a military family so i actually grew up in uh, uh washington alaska virginia and germany hmm. so but my, my my family's from a tiny town out here called Enumclaw. claw it's like at the base of mount rainier hmm Never, I have never made my way up there. It's fucking beautiful. Is it? One if day. You gotta, if you got to travel for a living like I do and you got to come home to somewhere, this is one of the best. Do you, uh, what, do you, what do you do to, uh, what do you do when you're not um, traveling the world as an international rock superstar? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, uh, I'm an international bartending superstar. Excellent. Oh, see, that's good. <laughs> That's awesome because I'm sure like at least once a month somebody who didn't know you were a bartender comes in and says, "Hey, aren't you the guy from Drowns?" And then they tell the story about how the guy from Drowns got him super drunk. You know, I don't want to <laughs> give away my secrets, but I do get some regulars just because of the band stuff. Oh, there so you it's go. Like, it's kind of nice that like I can I can parlay the two into helping each other out. So, like, what kind of bar yeah. is it? Is is it like high end or is it a is it a punk rock dive bar that you're working? It, it's a dive bar, but it's not punk rock. It's like a it's like a dive bar pool hall and it's really dark inside and it's got like the padded armrest on the bar mm-hmm. and we're mm. uh, we're usually playing like uh, super old country or a lot of dirty blues and jazz mm. yeah it's well, rad it's, 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 like, it's called Seattle Tavern Seattle Tavern huh yeah well now pe- now I'm sure I'm sure people are gonna make the trek over there just to see you yeah I hope so yeah it's it, and, and honestly the 
part of the reason I've been able to get the drowns running off the ground so quick was because the owners of that place have been friends of mine for like 20 years and they're uh, super supportive of what I do. So they allow me to go and then have a job when I come home. And they've been doing that for six years now. So mm. oh, it's, it's really because of them that I'm able to do a lot of this. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, most people be like, okay, you want to go on tour? That's great. We'll see you never. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I quit so many jobs. I've been touring for 20 years now. So I quit so many jobs over the years. I've got an extensive collection of name tags and hairnets. <laughs> all right let's play let's let's do that song now let's do the sound and then we'll come back and talk about the touring thing and and talk a little bit about what the hell bands are supposed to be doing now that they can't tour <laughs> right, so uh, i'll do the sound this is from the seven inch from last year yep uh, yep. yep so song is the sound by the drowns obviously there's a place among the
All right, the sound. See, when you said the sound, I thought you meant the old uh, '80s uh, post-punk band, The Sound. So I kind of, yeah. I kind of got excited by that. But uh, I almost feel like that that song was sort of like a manifest for them. Like that song sort of laid it down. Like this is what we're doing. Sort of ex- explained, right? Uh, I mean, wait, sorry, were you talking about the sound, the old band, or the song? No, the song. I just went. I just went off on a flight of fancy. I was just, yeah, I was just thinking about the sound. Well, you know the sound. <laughs> I do not. know. that's oh, why yeah. I was like, I don't know what we're talking about. We're yeah. all about we're all about rabbit holes here. Sometimes <laughs> rabbit holes are really <laughs> taking us interesting places. Yeah. Um, the the sound was a. I mean, we wanted to make a seven inch that was a love letter to the Pacific Northwest. Mm. So uh, we did the sound in bricks of old Rainier. Yeah, the B side uh, was definitely. I got that impression. Yeah. So the, uh, the the bar that I work at across the street is the old Rainier Brewery. But it's mm. not, they don't, they don't brew Rainier there anymore, but uh, it's this like super old building in this like very industrial part of Seattle. So that song was kind of my love letter to that area. Mm. So, okay, now, now I'm going to, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here. Yeah. You're talking like Rainier, like Rainier draft, that really cheap, like, uh, is yeah, that where, yeah. is that where that, oh God, I remember that. Like if you couldn't afford Bush light, you could always get Rainier, <laughs> Rainier draft. You remember that, Neil? It, did have it a was green, popular like green 20 label? years ago. It was black or something, wasn't it? It was dark. Uh, no, I mean, it's white and red are their colors, but white it's still huge out here. You know, is it, it really? Yeah, it's swill. Year. I mean, it's, but it's like, you know, it's no different than like old style in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, well, that's but... the thing. It's like every, every area. I mean, I'm, I tour for a living, right? So yep. <laughs> I've been the life of the party for 20 years. Every area in the U S has their own shitty beer that they're proud of, even if they shouldn't be proud of it. Um, ours is, ours is Rainier. You got old style. You got PBR. You've got, uh, uh, what's that brewery in Pennsylvania? It's like the oldest brewery in America. Oh, Rolling Rock. No, nah, no, nah, there's a, I forget the name, uh, Yingling. 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 Oh, yeah. Yingling. Yeah. 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 You, you've got like, you got all these shitty beers from every area and that's just geographically Rainier and Olympia were ours. Olympia. It's yeah. I've had that one. Yeah. For sure. Yingling you can't get in Michigan. And I know I have friends that are like fans of it. Like they can't wait to get out of the state so they can have Yingling. I'm like, really? I actually used to make extra money by getting Yingling on the road. And bringing it back to people for a surcharge in Seattle, and I would also I would go to Chicago and I would get Malort, and I would bring that Ooh, back to Washington for people. Good lord, man! What you trying to punish them? Did, were they bad? <laughs> and, that, and that mean to you? There's, there's this monstrous underground following of that liquor in Washington. Jesus, yeah, it tastes people like love it. They battery acid, love it. Mm. Yeah, it so it's like, just a matter uh, of what. Like burnt rubber bands. Yeah, burnt bands. That's it. That's going to turn you on right there. Yeah, I, I must say I've never had that. Neil, Malort, that's a Chicago thing, I'll huh? tell you what. The next time you come in, because because your friend, my friend Rick, that you met, he loves it. Yep. So you guys will have to go and drink some Malort well, sometime. If, I mean, assuming we can ever, you know, actually physically Travel. get together yeah. and, and get in the bar to, ever again, go to Reggie's or yeah. go to a show and have a few drinks or whatever. So so let's do the depressing stuff first, and then we'll do we'll we'll go back to the the fun stuff. So what I mean. How are you guys approaching this not being able to tour? Are you trying to brainstorm or, or do you have some do you have some thoughts on I mean obviously you're willing to come talk to us on the show which is one way to promote your promote your thing but I mean what's your what's your thinking on trying to keep the band in people's consciousness when you can't tour? Well what, one thing that's kept this band afloat for the last 2 years and really kept us like kind of a we had a running head start with this band and then we just kind of kept the same tempo going is that mm. we don't we don't see walls, we see hurdles, you know? So we just figure out how we're going to get past it. And 
with this, it was like just another thing on our way, you know, like there's nothing we can do to control it, you know, so we may as well figure out what we're going to do with it. So we've been working on material, trying to work on a lot of like social media presence and still pushing under tension. And in this weird way, maybe it's too soon to call it, but in this weird way, under tension is getting this like underground, you don't know about this record kind of following and like push mm. from people online because we didn't have all the promotion for it that we normally would have. So it's kind of becoming this, like the cool guy at the table talks about how he knows about this record and you don't, you know, mm. and it's, it's kind of been nice for us. So we're just that's su- that's super cool. That's yeah. super cool. The problem is there's a tipping point for that. Like when too many people have heard of it, then it's like, Oh, that record's not cool anymore. Everybody knows that record. Yeah, exactly. Well, but that's what I'm hoping that like, uh, you <laughs> know, they'll have with... the new one ready. See? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you've you've got the double whammy though, dude, because you're in a band that can't tour, and you're also a bartender, and you can't work in your bar. That sucks. Oh uh, yeah, I'm in my house right now, collecting unemployment. Yeah. So yeah, you I mean, know what though, man? Like, I've got it so much better than a lot of people. Sure. You know? Yeah. But 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 that's, we we. Is we've the bar, been talking is, about that. Is the bar going to be able to stay open, you think? Or is he uh, going to have to close, you think? I guess it depends Probably on how long not. it goes. Yeah, actually, the guy the guy who owns... One of the two guys who owns the bar I work for owns like six bars. So they're mm. they're totally fine. they got a lot of income. Oh, and, okay. uh, they'll be totally okay. It's so just what, a matter... The, I'm just waiting it out. What is the status in the state and the city? I mean, what what is you... Where, what are you guys locked down till? Or is it... Do, do Is there any light at the end of the tunnel? The tentative date right now is uh, uh, June sixth, okay. and but I honestly I wouldn't be surprised if that got pushed back because there's still a good amount of cases of yeah. COVID nineteen out here, and we were one of the first places to get hit super big. So yeah, remember that? Mm. Yeah, Seattle was a big deal. Yeah, it was mm. Seattle and New York at the time were hit really bad at first. Yeah, so so we're kind of just waiting it out. Um, like I said though, I I have a I mean I'm a lot luckier than a lot of people I know in this city, let alone like in the, you know, in the U S or in the world right now, I'm yeah. sitting pretty, I, I'm, you know, like I, am I making a lot of money? Fuck no. Am I barely paying my bills? Fuck yeah. But I'm, I have a home, you know, I have food. I have, my wife is a nurse, so she works. She's busy. You know? so. And so, so luckily she's safe where she's at and, uh, we still have income coming in. So I, I'm doing okay. I feel worse for I feel bad for people who have it worse than me right now. Oh, definitely, yeah, for sure. So Tom, yeah, we've kind of. Ta- do you want to bring up anything yeah. else depressing? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, listen, it's 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 tricky because you know the fact of the matter is there's you can almost count on both hands the amount of bands out there making a really good living playing playing punk rock, and we know who they are. They headline all the festivals yeah, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. For yeah, sure. for sure. But it, and and you know it, it there is it's it's definitely hurting the uh, the working class bands. Plus, what's going to happen with the clubs? Oh man, you're yeah. right. This is too depressing. I can't I can't take it. Well, um, well, well, here um, we were supposed to lockdown was supposed to end May thirtieth, but yesterday the governor said that we haven't hit our maximum number of cases yet or whatever. So the talk is it's going to be pushed back to mid June at the earliest, which absolutely sucks. But nothing official uh, yet. But yeah, I mean it's not <laughs> well. As long as it, once it gets nice outside, it makes a lot of difference. I have some outside space, and it's it's, but yeah, I, we I'm I, my kids are going a little stir crazy, but you know they're we're adjusting to the reality of the situation. So, and I what's mean, what's 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 great, Rev, honestly, is that 
the quality of guests that we have available to us is soaring as bands can't tour. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the fact of the matter is we should really be Thankful. <laughs> looking at this as an opportunity. We recorded four episodes last week, which is crazy. Yeah, we're huh? supposed to do one a week. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, and we're but it's like, but it's, it's like, what do you do when you, you know, when, when, uh, you know, when your guy calls you up and said the dudes from the drown drowns wants to talk to you, what are you supposed to do? You talk to him, you know, or, or <laughs> not that you wanted to, but you know, when they want to set up a love connection, it's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's talk to this. Let's talk to this guy. Well, you know, we should we should touch on real quick what you said before that like, uh, so I play music obviously with Andy Wiley, plays in my band. Yep. Um, yep. And Andy and I have been friends for a long time, but uh, okay. we're very different people. We're very different right. songwriters. We're drastically different human beings like uh and it, there are good sides and bad sides to that but uh one one great thing andy has is that he's real good about finding like he shows me bands and he shows me podcasts mm. and he that shows guy. me yep. media that i don't find and on the other hand he's really uh what's the word like timid and he's very like uh socially awkward and uh, so i'm a loud mouth you know front guy to be able to go do things like this and uh, no insult to Andy, but a little bit better yeah. than he would just cause I'm more comfortable with it out of his comfort. Uh, well, you know what? I love breaking people out of their comfort zone. So we'll see, we'll see. You're not off the hook yet, Andy, <laughs> but, but like I said, we appreciate it. You know, it's, it's, you know, as a couple of guys who have been, you know, who are doing this silly thing, when somebody who reaches out to us from a band, we know and says, Hey, I appreciate what you guys are doing. It's just, it's cool. And I think the connection was because he said you guys toured with Sloppy Seconds. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who I'm pretty good pals with over the years. We, as a matter of fact, I, I dare say that BA was kind of our first big guest where I made it feel like we were really doing something. And uh, so I, I know I think that's where he found us. But I guess I'm not sure. Yeah, we also but we also he, talked up the album. Fan. I mean, yes, yeah. we did talk up the album. That's true. Yeah. But but the funny thing is we didn't you know we didn't do it because and 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 it it was totally honest I mean it wasn't like we were nobody was paying us to talk about the album we just like hey we both like this album we played a couple songs from it and you know it's Neil and I have a uh, we we both we have similar tastes but we both have different you know tastes within the groove and like I kind of I said earlier you know if it, if it tickles both of our fancy that's pretty that's pretty uncommon because there's only been a couple albums like that this year and the other one we ended up having the guy on who ran the label who put it out so it's just it's fun fun coincidence yeah that was a good interview too i listened to that one it was, it was a lot of fun jason richardson yeah that's a jason richards yeah that was that was long but it was good so um what uh, so so who's your okay let, let's get let's talk about something fun since we're depressed now because you can't tour so what are some <laughs> of your favorite tours that you've done or who, who are some of the favorite bands that you guys love going out with well for for the drown specifically obviously sloppy seconds was a ton of fun um those guys were See, great. that seems like an odd it seems like an odd match to me it absolutely is but we had such a good time and uh i actually thought their fans weren't necessarily gonna dig us but it worked out really well uh they actually we had a great time together um and we toured with no fun at all which is also a weird match for us they're like a swedish skate punk band and yep, yep. We, we had a bunch of fun with those guys too um in the past, I toured with Seven Seconds, and that was like a life changing one for me. Sure, definitely. Uh, so that was that was with that was with success or the drowns. Yeah, that was a success. We did two tours with Seven Seconds. Hmm. See, yeah, this, uh, see, maybe were, maybe 
every every time we interview somebody, they have a slightly more famous friend. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's going to use you now. He's going to use you. This is all about <laughs> getting Kevin Seconds. Maybe he's he's your more famous friend that you can give a little nudge and say, "Hey, you should come out and talk to these guys about 1981." Yeah, you know what though? He might be like, I don't know. That one dude doesn't like Billy Bragg, so I might have to say fuck him. <laughs> well, it's I can talk him round. I can talk him round. Yeah. You'll see. He'll he'll come round to my way of thinking. Well, Neil's also a big Morrissey fan, but we rarely let it come up because it's such a it's such a like uh, it's touch point. For, yeah, for touch so point. Many people. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, everybody has their faults. Oh, don't even get me. Don't even get me started. Uh, you can't be. You can't be pro, pro Tom Robinson and anti Morrissey. It just doesn't work. Doesn't work. So, what are we talking about? What are we? Are we playing another song? Yeah. What are we doing? Are we playing a song? Uh. Well, I th- no. You, you, we. Uh, oh, sure. Sure. Why not? Yes. Go ahead. Them rats. I or believe. Are we running out of songs? Are we? Am I going too fast? No. Well, fast? no. It's fine. It's fine. We'll just pace ourselves. But yeah, we'll do them rats off of. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Half of the last album, so uh, yeah, it's, a, it's actually my favorite song off the album. So that's a that's a good pick. It's a good one. Yeah. So uh, this is them rats.
There you go. Them rats uh, from the drowns. Rats well, you know, it's, it's funny because one, one of Neil's pet peeves, we both have pet peeves. My pet peeves. I've got a lot of pet peeves, man. A lot of them. My pet peeves is when my wife's phone keeps going off in the background. Oh, that's you? My, <laughs> my oh, I thought someone was knocking on the Rev's door. Uh, my pet peeve is overproduction. Neil's pet yeah. peeve is when every song on the album sounds the same. Yes. Okay. So I think the reason, part of the appeal of, of what you guys are doing is that you and Andy have such different voices. Yeah. I actually, I, I reviewed the album. I did a written review of the album. And now going back, now that I'm actually talking to the flesh, it kind of makes me cringe because I basically said, one guy sings kind of like Jake Burns from Stiff Little Fingers or Pete Shelley, and the other guy sounds like Al Barr or something. <laughs> and, and you're obviously the Al Barr guy. Yeah, and, yeah, of uh, course. <laughs> and Andy's the other guy. But it but it works because every every third or fourth song yes. you know, is a little different, a different flavor. He has more of like a classic, classic punk voice, and you have more like the barky you know, street punk, kind yeah, of voice. street punk and oi kind of voice, yeah, for sure. Do you write together, or do you do you sing your songs? He sings his songs. How's it? The... So we there's a lot of back and forth. Um, we're actually really trying to incorporate even more of that on the new stuff. We're like where you both like where you both sing on the same songs. Yeah, yeah, and and together because they're we've noticed live that anytime both of our voices are harmonizing and pushing together is really when people react. So. We're uh, we're gonna try to push some more of that, but I think we were just like finding our footing still, and now we're starting to kind of get it. We're starting to figure out what's more impactful, or when it's more impactful for me to sing and when Andy to sing in a song. And we do we're trying to write together more than ever right now. So like I'm sending ideas to him and he's sending them to me, and we're getting a basis of a song to bring to the other guys. So do you do you do you sit in your house and like Zoom or you just like uh, break the rules and get together? No, no, we actually we were. Uh, it, it's kind of crazy. Even when we wrote, wrote the first record, we wrote it the exact same way, where we just record stuff onto our cell phones or onto our computers and then email it to people. Bounce back and forth, huh? Yeah, well, with huh. the drummer in LA, we were forced to do that anyway, so it's kind of sure. become routine. Well, it's kind of interesting because if you're sitting in the same room with each other, you get that emotion that quick emotional automatic response where you can sort of read off of each other where if you're just sort of you don't have that immediate response which means you have more time to kind of take things in and you also don't have to if you're sitting by somebody and you work on and you say something and you kind of see a look on their face like oh it might not be good it makes you not want to go down that avenue but when you're doing it by yourself it's sort of i don't know it's interesting i've never i've never written it you know never worked in a situation like that but it definitely could have a slightly different outcome, I think. Maybe more, uh, less limited outcome, you know? Well, I think just like our voices, our songwriting styles are a lot different. And so we can take the best of both worlds and put our best foot forward together. So I'm very fortunate in that aspect. Hmm. I actually had a question. Get, getting back to um, what Tom had said about I hate uh, albums where every song is the same pace, same structure, same format, same speed. That bugs me a lot. Um, Unless you're called the Ramones. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but even... No, they they do slow ones. They do like 50s-sounding ones. You know what I mean? That's so true. when you did The Harder They Come, yeah. were you tempted to try it like reggae style, like like The Clash would, did with Police and Thieves or like Stiff Little Fingers did, or were you always going to punk it up like that? Uh, we so that that was that was song was actually my suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm a huge like old school reggae yeah, and me dance too. hall and two yep. zone fan. Yep. And, um, I was like, I mean, that song too seemed to fit with the theme of that album so well. Um, and I think 
because of the subject material of the song, for us to attempt to do it reggae, it wouldn't have come across nearly as impactful as if a punk band did a punk version of it. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like we would have been putting on somebody else's clothes. No, see, I don't, see, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get that because, like, The Clash, I mean, that's one of the things that made the first album so fantastic was their version of Police and Thieves, you know? And rather than, rather than just speed it up and do it punky style, they actually tried to reggae-fy it, which if you... He can say it was successful or not, but it was, you know, it was a really standout track on that album. So I think, yeah, but you gotta, you gotta figure that was their first record too, though. So they didn't have any sort of material out there to show what they were. So right out of the gate, that became part of what they were. And with our first couple records, we didn't hint to ska or reggae at all. So it would be a pretty big jump, in my opinion, for us to have done that. See, it's interesting. Maybe it, maybe it would have worked out, but I feel like it would have been a big jump. Well, it's interesting because when, when, when I said that to Tom, Tom didn't know that was a reggae song. So, no, really. yeah, he didn't know it was a cover, so I don't know. I'm, if... not, I'm not a huge reggae guy. I'm a, I'm a mall reggae fan. I mean, I know Bob Marley, and I know a big, <laughs> few greatest hits, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. And I, list, I only want to listen to it, like, if I'm sitting on a beach somewhere drinking. Yeah, no, I get that. <laughs> no, if you get in the right vibe, it's amazing. But, um, yeah, so I... I, so I, may... I, I haven't smoked the ganja for many years, Neil. I don't get in the right vibe. <laughs> well, I don't at all, but I still love it. But, um. No, but I'm just wondering if that's if that's what you were going for then. With some, like I said, some people didn't even know that was a cover. They just thought it was one of the tracks off the album. Whereas, you know, I mean, I would have dug it if you tr- if if you tried to do a reggae version. Now, maybe it wouldn't have worked, and then you wouldn't have put it on there. But I was just well, wondering if what, you tried it's it. It's very catchy. It's very catchy as it is. It's sort of hard to argue with the results ultimately, right, Neil? <laughs> Listen, or is it or is it because you already knew it? You can't you can't yes. buy with it properly. That's is that that's what that's, okay. that's what it was. I think. Well, yeah. the fact of the matter is, I don't know. I don't know what the average Drowns fan looks like. Like, are they young? <laughs> are they old? What do they look like? What? Who's showing up at your shows? There's, there, there's no. Uh, I don't think there's any big, like majority of anyone. It's because uh, hmm. we get a lot of the older, like way older dudes who've been listening to like you know street like punk since it first. Like started. almost Neil's age. <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost. Yeah. And then we get a, uh, but we also get some younger folks who are like just looking to rebel against their parents. You know what I mean? Like, mm. yeah. So and, and everywhere in between. And uh, I feel very fortunate about that. Like that's it's pretty cool to like have that broad of a following and have it be uh, everybody be comfortable together. You know what I mean? We don't pigeonhole anyone. So you yeah, actually, I, so when you played Rebellion, did you actually tour in England too, or did you just go over there for that one festival? We just flew over for that one. We actually had our first European tour lined up for uh, July and August that just got canceled. Oh, that sucks. Well, so when you were there, I'm assuming you went to see a lot of the other bands and stuff. Who were some of the, who were some of the standout bands from last year that, that you saw? Well, obviously Cox Bar was, yeah. was great. And, um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think I'm getting older too. My memory is starting <laughs> to go. Uh, but I mean, Barstool Preachers, they're buddies of ours. They always put on a great show. Yeah. Mm. Um, grade two. Cause I, I, yeah, great I, too. Yeah. I love that band. Those guys are good buds of ours. Yeah. It's a good album. Um, yeah, I think a, a big highlight for me too was the, uh, Barstool Preachers did an acoustic set that was really incredible. Hmm. So any, any, we were, any old times that, 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 that you saw that you enjoyed? We didn't catch too much of that with the day that we were on and we were really cars not old enough for you now? For, for our day. <laughs> um, I, think, yeah, the, I think I'm trying to think of who else played that day, but we, we were only there for for a day, really, and we were all super jet lagged. It's kind of funny. We were we were super super jet lagged and super tired, and right before we went on, we were like falling asleep. 
Oh, in, the, in the green room and our <laughs> our stage manager was peter from peter and the test tube babies oh shit well wow. really that was your with, state that was your stage manager yeah and he came in That's and was funny. like what do you guys need like what do you want you all look like you're in sunday mass right now like, well obviously you... cocaine <laughs> 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 and uh i mean but we still had a great time uh you know actually there was a band that played before us called anger flares which hmm. is an oi band from japan that were Fucking incredible! I've heard of them. I haven't. I don't know that I've heard of them. Huh? Yeah, they were super, super good. So, did you? Where, where did you guys play in like a club, or did you play in like that big? What? Where did you guys play at Rebellion? So it's all in one building. It's all. Oh, was this, it all? Yeah, it's all okay. in this one monstrous like hall. Big ballroom uh, kind of thing. Yeah, and like huge. Like it's like a city block. Uh, I guess size. I didn't realize that. So, is there multiple rooms and stages, or is it you yeah, just rotate like them? Yeah, it's like ten rooms. Oh, 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 and they all have little stages. Some, some have little stages. Some have bigger. Yeah, we we played in like the step down from the big one. We played. Oh, uh, that's not bad. We we played at the same time that Fear played in the big room. Ah, and I've, yeah, I've heard that Fear were terrible at night. And that's what I heard. So you know, I I I don't want to speak on how good they were because I couldn't see them, but I will say uh, that we got a good amount of crowd <laughs> about. Oh, people Halfway leaving. Through when I'm assuming they started. So. Man, I love I love Fear. That sucks. You know, there's a few like legendary punk bands. You know, like if you go see Reagan Youth today, you will want to shoot yourself. You know, it's just it's it's just not good. But the fact of the matter is, I love that first Fear album so much. But I mean, that's going to be quite a while ago now, right? I mean, that's going on damn near 40, 40 years. Dude, dude, yeah. it was it was it was really funny and taking us down another rabbit hole. But uh, a few weeks ago, you know, we were looking for movies to watch on a Sunday afternoon or whatever, and we're like, oh, yeah. we've we've been playing the board game Clue, so let's watch the movie Clue from the eighties or whatever ah. came out, and we turn it on, and I forgot completely. And who comes out? I'm like, hold, that's Lee Ving. <laughs> it's funny. He was the guy that wow. got killed, oh, right? Yeah. Lee Ving he, was, he was starred in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, fucking hell, look at that. So. He was also in he was in a movie called Streets of Fire. Oh, with, that was uh, that was terrible. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that yeah, I saw yeah. that at the big screen. Never heard of it. Yeah. With the dude from uh Michael Pina, I think it, or maybe it was his name, the guy from Eddie and the Cruisers. Willem Dafoe was and in then, that too. Uh, Willem Dafoe was the villain. Yeah, Willem that, Dafoe yeah. was the villain. It was one of his first starring roles. Yeah. Yeah, Lee Ving was in that. <laughs> yeah, God, that was a ter- serious. I saw that. I saw that on the big screen. That's how old I am, and that was god awful. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. So there you go, Lee Ving, the actor. So. <laughs> the problem for us isn't going down the rabbit holes. It's trying to remember where we were and how to get back out of them. That's what That's makes it real... fun. That's what makes it fun. Don't you get it? This is a real problem. Yeah. So I, th- I think, I think actually talking about the Tom Robinson band, I think Tom was playing this year. I think he was supposed to be playing Rebellion this year. Yeah, it was it was big for me that I really wanted to see yeah uh, Tom Robinson play and to be on the same festival as him was uh, almost like a I don't want to say a crowning achievement but you know one thing that I've noticed over the years is that I've I get the most gratification not from playing huge crowds but from playing with people who inspired me and mm-hmm. having them see me as a peer you know hmm. what I mean yeah yeah like it's it's very it, it's it's very gratifying to be on that same level and that's one of those artists that's like a big high on my checklist for me. So we were also supposed to do some shows in Europe with uh circle jerks. And I was real excited about that. Too. Ah, hmm. yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. It's like, it's like the universe is mad about all these reunions. It's like <laughs> the universe has finally had enough and said, you know what? This is bull because this, this was the year of what raging some machine. Mm. And my that's why the universe romance. is mad. Cause that's making me mad. Well, yeah, but in my chemical romance, <laughs> And for us punks, the circle jerks, you know, and, and 
now all of a sudden, like, you know, people are living and dying to get to see My Chemical Romance for the first time. Not, you know, you or I, Neil, but there are people who are insane about this. And same with Rage Against the Machine, people who didn't get to see them the first time around. And uh, and it's like, it's all wiped out, right? I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know. That that begs an, that begs another question, actually. If it's not too depressing, which is, are you guys talking at all about booking anything else, or are you just sitting around right now? I mean, is there talk of something in the fall, or are we not even t- to that point yet? Well, so right now we, I can't announce specifics because yep. it never got dropped, but yep. we do have a tour planned for October right now. Okay, um, and we were going to be playing a uh, Crash Festival in Oakland, which is like a big Oi festival. Mm. And uh, so that it was based around that. And we're still holding on and hoping that works out. Um, mm. I'll be honest, though, it's not looking great right now. And also that would uh, that tour was supposed to dip into Canada. And I don't even know how to navigate that right now. Like, oh, yeah, the with the borders and, and stuff. Yeah, stuff. definitely. Because the borders, it, it's funny because I bet going to Canada would be fine because I've been being so close to Vancouver. I've been touring Canada for almost 20 years. And it's always so much worse coming back into the U.S. Yeah. It's, like, drastically worse. I mean, you know, up there by Detroit, you guys have a border crossing. Um, And that's actually one of the ones we try to get to because it's way nicer than the one we have here. The American guys on this side, on the the Seattle, like, or the Washington side, are fucking horrible. And, And they're, like, always mess with you, and they never believe you. And even if you have all the paperwork they want, to give you a ton of shit and not let you in so Actually, a, i'm always like i'm like listen to my fucking accent like where do you think i'm from <laughs> <laughs> we heard yeah. that we heard that story last week didn't we from uh from rookie with from the new rochelles yes he, was, he had some kind of customs problem and he had a he had a dodgy stomach too and so he was uh being held up for four hours wasn't wasn't the best thing for him yeah it made so it sound like if if they cavity searched him, it was going to turn out really poorly. Yeah, for everybody. <laughs> so, for everybody. Here, <laughs> here's a quick story. So when when I was one of those seven seconds tours, it was uh, seven seconds, the Briggs and success. And the Briggs and us, on the way in, there's a cargo side and there's a passenger side, like two different lines to get into Canada. And so we go in the uh, passenger side and they go in the cargo side. And when we get to the venue, we talked about how both sides told us to go to the other side. <laughs> so the Canadian government was like, hey, just so you know, to us was like, you guys should be in the cargo side uh, when you come across. And we we're like, oh, OK. And they told the opposite to the Briggs guys. <laughs> so we we swapped. And when we came back into America, they told us the same thing. They told us we should be in the other line. And we got held up for a few hours at the border. Because they were like, do you have any fucking cargo? Like, are you selling stuff? No, you should be in the passenger line. And they gave the same shit to the Briggs in the other line, telling them they should be in the passenger <laughs> side. So it's just, I think it's a bunch of people, I, I don't want to shit talk necessarily border guards that much, but I think there's a little bit of like, I wish I was a cop mentality uh. going on. No, hundred like percent. Wanting to give people shit because they got a badge, you know what I mean? Dude, it's it's so you, it's funny. So you heard it, it, listen, you heard it here first, Border Patrol guys. <laughs> the guys from the drowns basically say you're mall cops. No, I was gonna say I was gonna say exactly. <laughs> so, I was gonna. They come through. I was gonna, I'm never gonna get back into Canada now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was gonna say exactly the same thing because I go back to England every year, every summer normally, and the people want to go to England. The customs guys, the the security guys, they couldn't be nicer. 
Um, oh, yeah, and then yeah, when totally. we and then when we come back through this way, they treat you like you're a fucking criminal. It's like I'm coming from two back from two weeks vacation, and they're like, "Well, how much <laughs> how much cash are you bringing back in the country? Where have you been?" Uh, and he's like staring you down, like, "Yeah, exactly, like a mall cop or something like that." It's when like, we, when settle we down. To, well, yeah. we flew into Paris. We had a layover to go to Rebellion last year. We flew into Paris and then to Manchester. When we flew into Paris, our guitar player Johnny had a like a Nalgene bottle full of water, mm-hmm. and uh, the we were just landing and coming into the airport, and. Uh, the Paris guard like looked at his watch and looked at the bottle and Johnny was like, what? And he was like, you must pound this. You have 10 seconds. <laughs> and so Johnny just grabbed it and he just slammed all of the water that was in this bottle and slammed it down. And the guy was like, good job. You can go. And like, <laughs> it was just like having fun with us, which is kind of great. <laughs> so you flew to, flew to France to, uh, go to England. Man, well, that's weird. Well, there's not a lot of direct flights right to Manchester. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, but so isn't it, it was go cheaper to, to go there than it was well, cheaper to go to Paris. No, Manchester is hmm. Ma- Manchester is super close to Blackpool, where where Rebellion hmm. is. So, yeah, what did you think of Blackpool? It's kind of a dive, isn't it? You know what's funny, man, is that everybody from England is like Blackpool. That's the worst part of this country. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm like, man, you guys haven't been to a lot of parts of the U.S. Because it, was, <laughs> it was pretty nice. I'll be honest. It was like, I mean, it's like. Uh, if you've been to Reno or Atlantic City or like any sort of like shitty Vegas, it's yeah. like just like that. You yeah. Know? Like and I, the people there, though, were super nice and incredibly like respectful. We went to this. Uh, we went and got our hair, our hair cut before the show at this like tiny little barbershop that we were just walking around. And we're like, oh, there's a barbershop. Let's get our hair cut. And this dude was like, hey, like he cut our hair. He was really sweet. He cut our hair and then was like, um, you just got a haircut at the worst barbershop in Blackpool <laughs> at a bad time of night in one of the worst neighborhoods. So I'm going to get you a cab. <laughs> like, Jesus. Just like, yeah. But he was super nice about it, you know? And to me, it didn't seem like a bad situation at all. How bad was the haircut? Oh, it, it was just a head shave. So it was fine. Mm, all right. Got it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an easy one. Yeah. No one's going to fuck with you guys. <laughs> it's yeah, funny. Skidhead looking guys. It's funny, Neil. You know, I've I've found this. I see everybody struggling with no barber services, and I'm just like, man, in the time of plague, <laughs> yeah, those for of you. us who shave our own head are like king, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's true. Yeah, I got no problems right now with that. I mean, see, I, got, I do. I got two packs of Dollar Shave Club up in my you know mirror right now, and I'm good to go, man. I could survive this thing for a month. My my wife has been like like biting her nails trying to not cut her own hair, like. Yeah. She's like hoping that it level, like they let hair. Uh, yes, I'm the same way. Shots be okay soon, you know. I'm the same way. <laughs> I, I'm missing my. I'm missing my guy. Yeah, missing my stylist. Because <laughs> I actually have hair, so even though I'm the oldest, hair still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good English genes. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Manchester Airport and Blackpool. That's that's fun. Yeah, Blackpool is the place that like English people go on holiday if they can't afford to go to Europe. That's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it seemed very much like that. They yeah. like had what they call a beach, but it's like a northwest beach where it's just like rocks yep. and like jagged dirt. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, it's like Brighton. Yeah, Brighton is just rocks too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's well, that sucks. So, have you you've played? You've been the Midwest, right? Before you've toured the Midwest, you've toured Chicago and Detroit and stuff. Yeah, I assume. Yeah, tons of times. Yeah. Oh, you have okay. Yeah. What, what what were some of your favorite? Do you remember your favorite bars to play in Chicago or anything? In the, any of the venues? Uh, I like Subterranean. I oh, think it's what yes. it's called in Chicago. Yep. Um, 
Uh, that's my kind of place. Uh, you know, a dark bar. It's a fucking, it's a fucking death. Trap. It's a death trap, is what it is. Fire yeah, trap. Yeah, the, the band is the same level as you. Uh, is that the one? One of the ones you like, or one of the ones you don't like? It's you one. Like it? No, I I like it, but it's a complete. It's a complete fire trap. If there was a fire yeah. in there, everybody would be dead. There's nothing like your green room being their prep kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like that place a lot, though. I've had, I've had some good shows there. Um, yeah. Also, uh, the G-Man Tavern. Oh, the G-Man next to the Metro. Yeah, I love the G-Man. Yeah. It, it, oddly enough, the guy the guy who books in the Metro is a really great guy and a good friend of ours. We haven't, uh, this band, the Drowns, hasn't played there. But he would come over every time we play the G-Man and hang out. He's a good dude. Um, I once played a venue in Detroit that I really loved. That was, I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. It was like a bigger hall on top, and it was the downstairs room of that hall. Hmm. Uh, I'm trying, I wish I could remember the name of it. Uh, but we played there with uh, the hardcore band of uh, the singer of Suicide Machines. He had like a hardcore band called oh, Hellmouth. Hellmouth. Yeah. We oh, played yeah, there with yeah. those guys. It was kind of funny, too, the... the uh, the singer he kept in between every song he would basically tell you what the next song is is going to be about by being like uh this song is about the water in detroit it's fucked and then they would start <laughs> and then he'd be like this song is about the detroit police department they're fucked and, then they would start <laughs> the next song. and every single intro was just him yelling something it's about and then yelling it's fucked and then starting the next <laughs> song it was pretty incredible jay's a pretty good dude he's a he's a real nice guy actually yeah, yeah, they were, it, was, the, it was a good show. That was yeah. us. That was success. Hellmouth, uh, Bishop's Green. Oh, Bishop's Green. Seconds. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was a great, uh, great, great lineup. Yeah, we. So one of those seven seconds tours was that those three bands was success, Bishop's Green, and uh, seven seconds, and we had the best time. I love the Bishop's Green guys. I just, I literally just talked to their drummer. He called me a couple of days ago. We were hanging out on the phone trying to bullshit. That's more more Pirates Press. They're another Pirates Press band, aren't they? Or am I wrong about that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. And they have that. Don't they have that spinoff like early Suede Raises? Is that the spinoff band? No, uh, that's a Harrington spinoff. Oh, that's oh uh, Harrington. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. My I mean, bad. My I bad. love Suede Raises. I do too, man. That's a cool. That's a fun band. Well, that's you know we were talking about the angle me and Andy are trying to push for some of the new stuff, and we're not by any means trying to change our sound, but you know every band has to evolve, or it, or yep. else the next record is just the same kind of shit. Um, and one of the things for us is we're talking about how we like elements of bands like Suede Razors and Sweet and Slade mm-hmm. and like all these incredible like kind of bobbery rock and roll bands and like you know that dip their toe into glam and I don't mean by fashion by any means but if we could take some of their riffage and take some of the like inspiration of their uh, kind of rock and roll mid-tempo stuff i'd love to add some of that into new material yeah, that's what i grew up with when i was uh when i was a wee kid you know when i was 12 13 years old slade fucking rules man that band is so rad yeah i agree except for the Sing haircuts it. yeah <laughs> you ever seen uh they, they got shaved heads too don't they neil in the very 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 early days <laughs> the very they did yeah, yeah. No, i'm oh, thinking yeah. of, i'm thinking of dave hill with the uh with the with the bad prince valiant haircut Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Okay. you ever see the video they did for uh, uh, "Give Us a Goal"? Yeah, it's it's hilarious. It's like them playing this football stadium and they're talking shit to the team, being like, "Quit, quit screwing around, stop being fancy, and just fucking score." And then there's shots of the crowd, and the crowd looks like they're so tired of watching a band play. <laughs> they look, the crowd looks like they're waiting for the band to like stop fucking around so they can keep watching football. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, from Birmingham. What are you going to do? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, they're a, they're a Christmas institution in England because they had that one huge Christmas hit in like '75 or whatever it was. And uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, they've been living off. They probably make actually millions off that every year because it's played everywhere at Christmas in England. Well, I would assume they got some money from Quiet Riot too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, they got a yeah, bunch of the... hits. Yeah. For come on, feel the noise, Far- right? Yeah, yeah, that's far- my boy. You're right, in my wheelhouse now. I mean, I was like, you know, <laughs> 11 years old when that song was a huge hit or something. That was. I think good uh, stuff. Run Runaway. That was a good song. My favorite song. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah. Yep. That record wasn't necessarily the best full album, uh, but Run Runaway and Far Far Away, both those songs are, you know, they're like you were talking about earlier. That little bit of emotional that not all bands in the same style that we play touch on. That's like, you know, I want a song that sounds like. I can put myself in that guy's shoes at that moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, um, should we play another? Should we play another track? Let's let's do that. Okay, so let's play uh, "Demons" off uh, "Under Tension" from this year. So uh, the drowns with demons. <laughs>
There you go. Demons off of uh, Undetention, which if you haven't checked it out, you should uh, pick up that album. And uh, I don't know if you can still get it on the red vinyl with the black spokes, but that's an excellent, excellent colorway on that one. Takes us all the way back to January of 2020, a different time, a more, a more, <laughs> right? a better time. Yeah, we might. could actually we see so bands. Free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, we didn't know it, right? We didn't know it. Yeah. You know, you know, the funny thing is, Rev, Neil and I earlier this spring were literally like crowing about how many shows we had tickets for and how many shows we we're going to go see, and everyone's been canceled. Yeah, and those, man. Those British bands uh, are outright canceled. Some of the tours are still supposedly postponed, but I, man. If there was a light at the end of the tunnel, if somebody said, hey, in October, shows are going to pick back up, at least then you'd have, you know, a reason to be. But this, oh, maybe 18 months. Like, oh. A reason to be. Yeah, That's I, kind of depressing. You know, I'm just All right, maybe that, I took it too far. Uh, I'm, just, <laughs> I, I'm really holding on to the fact that hopefully we'll get some really great records out of people being home and being frustrated right now. I don't know. That's what they said about the Trump era, too. But most of the records have been shit, if we're honest. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know that the payoff is worth it, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to fucking hope so. <laughs> yeah, we'll see I'm, what happens. I'm going to no. choose, choose to carry that torch and hope so. Well, you know what? We'll ha- you know, the reason that might be true is because, you know, you hear these bands like, you know, we wrote 50 songs for the new album and picked the best 15. Now everybody should have 50 songs written for the new album, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know what? There's no excuses. We talked about, yeah. you know, I was talking about Mike Ness before, joking, but he, he does that, right? He'll, like, write 50 songs and put, like, 12 on the album. It's like, well, how about releasing the other 38? There's bootleg <laughs> box sets of his stuff yeah. out there, Neil. Yeah. Well, you know, I can't speak for Mike Ness, but Andy and Come I on, both... do it anyway. <laughs> Andy and I both try to write a ton of music, and then we sift through and find what we think is the good stuff. And I can say for myself... 70% of it is fucking garbage that I don't want anyone to ever hear. And then the 30% that you might hear is the stuff that I think is good enough. But it's just, you know, it's flexing that muscle. It's just continual writing. And sometimes it's an emotional thing where I got to, like, write something just to get it out of me. Well, I, I think one of the problems, though, is, like again, I can't speak for Mike Ness, but I'm assuming if he does have all these songs lined up for, like, 10 years, after a while he gets sick of hear, hearing them. So he never puts them, you know what I mean? So he never puts them yeah, out. Yeah, could be. So, yeah. Well, it's... and the fact of the matter is, I assume that, like, 10% of the 70% you think is crap will be available at some point as bonus tracks. Actually, yeah, may, besides Maybe all of it. Yeah. yeah. But that's fine, because he's, he is super talented. It's, this is no diss on Mike Ness. I, I fucking love no, I'm Social I'm talking about D. our guest, Neil. Oh. I'm off the Mike Ness thing. <laughs> he said 70% of what he writes he doesn't want people to hear, but I, you know, some of it eventually will make its make its way. Or or what happens is you'll say, you know what, this is crap, and then you go back to it later and say... Yeah, I might revisit it and think it's good. You say, you know what, if I change this lyric around a little bit or add this sweet little lick here or there, you know, who knows? It could could end up being something different sweet little lick did you really just say yes. that wow <laughs> right out of 1978 you guys, were, you guys were talking about slade they yeah, had that's every true. one of their songs had sweet little licks <laughs> hey they were fucking stomper boot boys back in the uh, mid-70s kick your really? ass. yeah well let me tell you something by the time it got filtered through me to me through you know come on feel the noise and mama we we're all, all crazy, crazy now. now it yeah. was it was pretty uh dude the, the vocal line on that song is so good though we're all crazy now it's so so good <laughs> you imagine not only having a, your first and really biggest hit be a cover and then but then actually going back to the same band for more that's crazy man well you know what that makes me think of is uh mott the hoople mm-hmm. mott the hoople when they did uh all the young oh, dudes man, what was that all the young yeah. dudes 
so that's the song they're known for, but that was yep. a David Bowie song. Yeah, yeah they, and it sounds and like a David Bowie song. Well, Bowie that's literally the like, only Mob the Hoople song that I know. Oh no, he and he he wrote that song for them. That's that's mm. why he wrote yeah. the song. He wrote the song for them, and then they recorded it. And they well, they both recorded it. And the Mob the Hoople version is far superior. Sorry, David Bowie fans, but it is. Yeah, well, uh, it, it is. But go back and check out if that's the only song you know. They have a really good song called "One of the Boys" on that same record. That mm. is is really really incredible. Check that song out. And all the way from Memphis, I'm sure you know that when you've heard it. Yeah, yeah. You know, the problem is I've gotten to you know, I, you know, you get to a point in your life where you realize even if you live a long, <laughs> you've heard enough life, songs. You're more than you're more than halfway <laughs> through your life, right? Oh God, <laughs> Lord, man. I Thanks. To, I don't know that I have time to add Mott the Hoople to my. <laughs> my playlist well, i mean know, if i'm I, I if think... i'm gonna squeeze in if i'm gonna squeeze in drowns i don't know that i have time for mouth of so <laughs> i still have to listen to that great fear record from 1982 that i still love well yeah. I, I feel like I, the, I feel like just like uh let's say jalapenos when i was younger i didn't like jalapenos i'm a little bit older now now i do enjoy jalapenos i yep. think maybe you'll come around Maybe there's a there's a Mata Hoople era of your life that hasn't shown up yet. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Neil still hasn't come around to Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> everybody Funnily knows enough, they, yeah. everybody knows they rule. Yeah, so. I, I I mean I I don't know if this is true, but I thought that there was a Huey Lewis in the news question on becoming an American citizen. Is there not? There should be. <laughs> uh, dude, this is so it funny because be. I was. Heart of rock and roll is still beating in which of the following cities? I was. I was. <laughs> I was, just, I was just talking about, I was just talking about becoming a citizen on the last episode. That's really weird that That's you bring true. that up. Yeah, because they, <laughs> they actually played that bad, shitty country song. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's your ceremony. That's, you're lucky, too, because I would totally call INS on you right now. <laughs> Thanks. For not, like, Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, oh that's a All wonderful right. thing. You've officially devolved. Where are we at here, Neil? Um, I don't know. You know, you know what I would, you know what I would like to hear. I would like to hear. Uh, hey, actually, why are you called Rev? What's the deal with that? Uh, so I, when I started Success years ago, one thing I would do is I would preach a lot on stage and like not intentionally. I would just talk a lot about certain mm-hmm. songs and I would talk to people at shows. That's mainly where it came from. Was at shows I'd be talking to anyone who came there about issues like their so problems, could, anyone's problems. You could easily be preach. I Instead could, of yeah, rap. yeah, but they, that was what, there was a, uh, a radio show host at a local college radio station who I interviewed with like 20 years ago. And he was like talking about how I was, uh, he went to a show the week prior to the interview and he saw me talking to a kid about how his mom was uh, a heroin addict. And I was talking to this kid, this like 14 year old kid about like how to figure out how to like mentally compartmentalize what was going on in his life but i didn't know this kid and so he brought that up in the interview and he was like you're like the reverend of local punk rock and that it just stuck from there like rev just kind of stuck and now my mom calls me rev 20 years that's later that's funny wow yeah. i always feel a little awkward calling somebody by their nickname when we really don't know them but now now when i see you you know when you play chicago and we go hey rev remember us i'm you know now i'll feel totally comfortable and he'll, and he'll yeah, be now, like he'll be like no i have no idea who the fuck you are yeah <laughs> my, uh, get them out of well, here <laughs> my mom and my wife only call me aaron now when i'm in trouble so i would ah uh, yes <laughs> i'm sure your mom right. uses the middle name as well right call you the full yeah aaron lee of yeah. course aaron yeah. lee what are you doing yeah <laughs> so can she's you gonna can be you, like uh, she's gonna be like i heard you interview with a guy who doesn't like billy bragg what are you doing aaron lee <laughs> <laughs> no no neil i'm just kidding neil. i'm just kidding did you ever uh, go through the trouble of like being ordained so you can marry people or is it just strictly symbolic 
Um, I, so I did. I, I think the name kind of brought that on a little more. Sure. Um, the fact that I had the nickname and the fact that I'm a, a loudmouth, like, you know, talker <laughs> and I like being in front of people. Um, but yeah, I've married, I think, six, no, five, six different couples now. That's really, that's funny. Yeah, I, uh, I actually. And then, I, I you went, know, like, you, you do the package deal where you, like, get your band to play the reception, too. Yeah. I once did like, a, uh, a prince, I once did a princess bride themed wedding, which was pretty incredible. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, it was super funny, super goofy. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, Interesting. We're, not, we're, not too, we're not too sure what to think about that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, well. You know, we've probably reached that point. Yeah. Are we? Do Do we have one more song left? Um. How about you pick a song that's you influenced you growing up or something maybe something by did the tom we, robinson well, first, band first, what do you think we, did we play all the songs we did he wanted to play we did we played all okay. five songs that he wanted to play so i was thinking maybe a tom robinson song maybe like up against the wall or something absolutely that that's the song i was going to jump to anyway amazing yeah. wow, very song su- very subtle uh influencing yeah. <laughs> to guess there, man the, the, the solo in that song is unreal like yeah. as a guitar player to me that's like it's noisy, it's raunchous, it doesn't necessarily, like, it's abrasive at times, it's, like, not comforting, but also, it perfectly works with a song, I, I fucking love that song. Yeah, that song, that song was written about me as a kid, so, you know, there we go. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Was it <laughs> All right. s- Suspicious and Mean or something? Okay, yeah, Up Against the Wall, uh, the Tom Robinson Band. Telephone kiosk out of order Spray can riding on the 
there you go. Tom Robinson band up against the wall. Fantastic single. Awesome. From probably 78, I think. That would be That's it. so band. damn good. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, man, thank you so much for coming on. You know, um, I, I, I appreciate the opportunity. And um, I try to say this whenever I, I interview with anyone that um, even though guys like you guys aren't on the stage, having open conversations about music, especially in a digital age where we don't know and buy CDs and record labels don't have money anymore. Um, keeping the conversation going about good music is just as important as playing it. So thank you guys for doing what you do and continuing to to let everybody know what's in the market and let everybody know what's going on and talk about the old times. And like, I appreciate what you do. So thank you for having me on. I like that he thinks we're only into good music too. <laughs> Well, the conversation going about yeah, good music. yeah, well, I wasn't talking about Huey Lewis, so, you know, I'm all right. Well, no, but it, 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 like I said, the, the, the upside of the apocalypse is so many people are, are willing to talk, and, it, and it's been awesome. So it's, it's even though you're not the youngest guy, we count, we count you as being in, like, the young group of bands yes. because, you know, we kind of break the bands up into old-time bands and young guy bands. So you are keeping us, like, modern as far as i'm yes yeah exactly are keeping us connected because it's hard after a certain age to really get into new bands no i agree i fully agree i mean like what did we talk about today you know it's like i'm listening to bands from the late 70s and early 80s still you know and like i'm i'm more interested in finding new records from those bands from that era than i am necessarily about finding new records from new bands so when i do find one i'm really excited like grade two like their new record graveyard island that's yep. one that like I was fucking hyped to listen to. Yeah, or me, yeah, I, I get you. Like, oh wow, there's a there's a hardcore band from Lansing that put out a seven inch in 1982 that I didn't know about, and I just found it. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever. But, yeah, but no, it's all good. But no, it's it's. Uh, I like, you know, the label you're on is kind of, you know, it does help bridges that gap too. You know, they they put out a lot of stuff that appeals to like the old, older punk fans, but I think you know, have an ear towards some modern stuff too to keep the younger kids engaged. So, so yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much, man. And we will, uh, like I said, I hope, I hope my hope is that down the road we can share a beer and, and hopefully, you know, 2020, maybe it'll be 2021, but I guess we'll, uh, yep. have to see what happens. Huh? Uh, we absolutely will. And, um, when, when a tour gets announced, please like feel free to reach out and message me because I want to make sure I have enough time to, Buy you a Mott the Hoople record and buy a <laughs> Huey the Lewis Huey, Huey Lewis in the News album for Neil, so that, so that way I can, uh, you know, get both of you interested in good music. <laughs> there we go, Neil. There's our tribute band, Hoopy Lewis. Hoopy, Hoopy Hoop. Lewis in the News. Poop, poopy Lewis. Yeah. Poopy exactly. Lewis. <laughs> All right. Let's go grab some tacos, Neil. All right. I'll, uh, hey, thanks. Thanks a lot, Red Man. We'll, yeah. we'll talk to you soon. Cheers, mate. Yeah, of course, fellas. Take care. Yeah, take care. Bye, bye.